About half past 12, a little past that actually, and time now for this week's edition of In the Garden. All it takes is a rake and a With your host, Peter Burke. In the Garden is brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. Also by Polly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington. One call does it all. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. These flowers and garden shop, flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waysfield. In the Garden also brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester with top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. In the Garden also made possible by P&R Lumber, Route 15 of Walcott, family-milled lumber for all projects. See them on Facebook. Guy's Farm and Yard, if it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. And In the Garden is also made possible by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, who also make possible the In the Garden podcast, I believe. Learn more, at them at, uh, learn more about them at DandelionAcres.com. In my garden, I'm as free as that feather. And with that, we turn it over now to the host of the program, Peter Burke. Hey, Peter, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, Greg. How are you? This is fun. Yeah, it is. I've only heard it from the other side of the radio, <laughs> listening at home, you know, while I'm having my lunch on a Saturday, and now I actually yep. get to see... You close up and personal. See it happening yep. up close and personal, yep. indeed, yeah. Yep. So, and good yep. fun. Yep, yep. Joel's off at a wedding, so I guess we'll forgive him. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he's going to be back in next week, I think. I think, yeah, he, I think that, he, that's what I heard. He and I did a straight trade, and it was good for me, too. It worked out for me, so anyway. <laughs> well, we have two more shows to go after today. Okay. And so I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, gardening beyond the garden season, quote-unquote. And we're going to talk a little about uh, year-round indoor salad gardening, which we can do all winter long. And... Uh, uh, when I first sort of came on this idea was when, well, it was just a little bit later in the season. I was thinking, oh, man, I, I hate to see uh, some things go in the garden. And mostly that was the fresh greens that I used for my salads because we had our tomatoes and our onions and our potatoes. And, and we saved lots of kale greens and collard greens and everything else. We had canned beans, uh, you know, all those other things. But the one thing that you can't can is fresh greens. And so I got to thinking, well, okay, how can I solve this problem? This is, this is something that, uh, uh, that happens every year, you know. And uh, so with the geese flying overhead, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And, and after, oh, you know, um, trying a few things. Uh, and I would mention I have talked about this before probably about five times over the last five years. So if you've heard this before, uh, bear with me and call in if you have questions about indoor salad garden or call in with questions on any garden topic you want to talk about. Um, and uh, I'll um, I'll stop whatever my rant is about or monologue is about uh, year-round indoor salad gardening. So, yeah, don't hesitate to call in. And um, we have, uh, um, we have. Uh, let's see, where was I? Oh, yes, the reason that I started this whole thing was because I really wanted fresh greens. So um, I looked at the different options, and uh, like uh, Elliot Coleman, if you've ever read his book, he he uh, plants a lot of fresh greens through the through the December in a greenhouse with uh, several different layers of plastic, and and that's uh, very interesting. Uh, but a greenhouse is a big commitment, and I really didn't want to do that. Um, and so uh, I went back to something I had done years ago as a as a young young fellow um, was uh, growing uh, sunflower seeds in in uh, in trays, and I started with those uh, small tray uh, you know big tray and I found out the big tray was just way too much for my family so I started doing some small trays and when I say small I mean uh, size of a bread pan or even a half loaf pan. And uh, that turned out to work 
really, really well. It sort of draws upon the, you know, the concept of just-in-time inventory, you know. <laughs> uh, rather than growing a big batch, you know, and then having to store it in the fridge, I just grow a little bit and I plant a little bit every day and harvest a little bit every day. And uh, I had my own sort of um, uh, wish list of things that I wanted, uh, you know, you, you kind of, uh, for me... I have to uh, kind of narrow it down or what's my uh, what's my object and I came down to a wish list that that sort of looked like uh, I wanted to be productive I didn't want this to be like a toy garden not like those uh you know you get those little lights that you can grow one one head of lettuce on and 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 uh, I also wanted to be very cost effective cheap not a lot of equipment and then uh in order to do this you know because i work a long you know 50 hour week mostly uh with a lot of uh, chores to do um even without kids in the house uh, there's still plenty to do so i wanted it to be time effective just time in minutes not in hours and hours so and then of course you know organic methods that's really key for me which uh, put um, put uh, hydroponics sort of on the borderline because that's that's a little bit uh, a little bit on the fringe of organic gardening. I wanted it to be small fa- uh, area, um, so I wanted to, to be able to do it indoors in my house because I reasoned I had a greenhouse that was my house that was full of greens. You know, you heat your, you heat your, um, you heat your house and you have these wonderful windows all around your house and, uh, why not use the greenhouse you have? So that was, uh, uh, that was one of the, the key we, on the wish list. And then I liked a variety of greens. Yeah, I knew I could grow, uh, sunflower seeds, but what else could I grow? And then I wanted it to be really easy, you know, easy technique. Uh, rapid growth is really important. Um, days, not weeks. And uh, the last, of course, was nurturing. It's the same as my earth garden. I really enjoy the nurturing plants. You know, that's a, it's a, a, a gardener's, uh, what would you say, hobby is to nurture plants, and that's really fun. And basically, I was able to to hit all ten of them, all ten of these on my wish list, by using this particular technique of growing year-round indoor. And um, if you take a second just to look at it by the numbers, what I found was in five little trays, and this is the the half loaf, um, I could produce almost a pound a day, a pound a day. Think about that. And, uh, uh, it was enough for a good size, uh, good size salad. And uh, I, I always like to sort of think in terms of farming is like, well, what's the yield per acre? Which sounds, of course, absurd to when you're growing things in a little tiny tray is what the, how many acres, you know, would be for 43,000, you know, square feet. <laughs> So anyway, uh, b- being me, um, I went ahead and did the calculus and decided, oh, okay, if, if there was an acre, if I grew an acre of these things, I could grow 4,300,000 pounds of fresh greens. Well, my objective was not to grow an acre of greens, but to get a hundred people to grow five trays a day. You know, just think about if we all sort of put our shoulder to the wheel, you know, you could, you could really, um, provide for yourself. And so I, that was really a, a fun part of the, of the whole, of the whole uh, deal, the whole research project. And, uh, some people have said, well, you know, sprouts are sprouts. Why do you grow them in soil? And this is part of the technique is having a small tray with a little bit of soil and growing the, putting the seeds on the, on the, on top of the soil. And by doing this, right, some of the problems that I, that I, um, avoided with growing sprouts in a jar, and this is why I call them soil sprouts, is one is the hole, the, the holes, the seed holes just drop off. They drop down into the tray. 
And if you've ever grown sprouts in a jar, one of the laborious tasks is, you know, uh, uh, keeping the um, getting the hulls off of the, you know, separated from the fresh greens. So I really like that a lot. And then the other thing, of course, is if you're not ready for your sprouts today, you can store them right in the tray. You just keep watering them and they keep growing and, you know, they're ready for you tomorrow and you don't have to worry about them spoiling in a jar. So I just found it was really easy, easy to care for. And the heart of growing greens and in these little trays is that the first four days you grow them completely in the dark. And I always say, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a gardener's dream is that the first step is to do nothing. <laughs> you know, not, you, all you have to do is plant the seeds and put them in a cupboard for four days in the dark. And what that does, and this is a, a gardener's concept that, that's been around a long, long time. I'm forcing them. I'm forcing the seeds just like you might uh, a hyacinth in the, in the spring, you know. Uh, you're, I'm forcing them so that the seeds, um, the seeds grow in four days up to about an inch high. And at that point, that's when I actually put them, uh, put them in the, the sun on a windowsill or on a shelf. And, and so, um, the nice thing about that, of course, is when you put them on the shelf, you're going to see these greens. It's going to be part of your, uh, part of your, uh, what did you say, green space in a sense, you know, part of the indoor space where you can visually see what your harvest is or going to be and watch them grow. And that's really a lot of fun. And it's so much simpler than anything like hydroponics and they're much, much faster. So when I say faster, what I'm talking about is from seed to salad is about between 10 and 5 days, 10 and 7 and 5, 10 days. I get this straight, 7 and 10 days. So from the time you put your soaked seeds on the soil and put them in the cupboard to the time you take them off the shelf and cut them, for your salad is only seven to ten days. And what that does, it allows you to use a very small space in your house, your greenhouse, uh, to, to get a, a, you know, a nice harvest of fresh greens. And, you know, for the, for you gardeners out there, I, I'm sure you can appreciate what that means is that you know, if you're living in an apartment or a small garden, a small kitchen, or if you even have a large, you know, uh, harvest kitchen or, uh, you know, homestead kitchen, uh, you still only need a small space. And what I use generally is the cupboard over my fridge because it's kind of nice and warm and cozy up there. And it's kind of out of the way, which is means my wife has trouble. Um, and so she gladly loans me that cupboard to... To use on a regular basis. And um, I grow five seeds on a regular basis. And this would be, well, four. When I first started, it was four. Sunflower, peas, uh, buckwheat, and radishes. And those are my staples. Those are my staple greens. And after the first year or two growing those four on a regular basis, I started to read about uh, broccoli sprouts. And in the when the Superfoods book, if you've ever read that, if anybody uh, out there has read the Superfood books, there's a sidebar under broccoli because broccoli is one of the superfoods because it has uh, a lot of antioxidants and, and a particular antioxidant called sulforaphane that actually kills cancer cells. So it's considered a, you know, a very potent antioxidant. And when I started to read about this, the sidebar in the superfoods chapter on broccoli said the super superfood. <laughs> and that turned out to be broccoli sprouts. And so I said, well, let me give this a try. Um, broccoli sprouts are not very productive. You only get about an ounce of them, but an ounce of broccoli sprouts has as much of that sulforaphane as four pounds of broccoli. So it becomes a real potent addition to your indoor salad greens. Any questions so far, Greg? 
<laughs> you, you seem to be following along just fine. Do I have any questions? Only only a million. <laughs> if Sarah and my wife were here, she would have some, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we why don't we play some? Take care of a little bit of business, shall we? And then we'll. Oh yeah, uh, it's about, just about that time. It's a good for a time. Break, we'll do yeah, a good, good little break here, any, yeah. and then maybe hopefully some folks will give us a call in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, yep. The number I should add or might add is two four four. 1777, if one would like to uh, give a call and talk to Peter with any questions or observations you have about gardening. Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture, plus soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. So we're back in the garden with Peter Burke here on WDEV, and we have a caller on the line, I believe. I believe Nola is there. Nola, are you there? Oh, hey, Nola. Okay, no Robert Frost today. We're going to go to Walt Disney instead. Okay. <laughs> M-I-C-K-E-Y-L-O-U-S-E, what do you do? I think I'd mentioned to you guys before, in my greenhouse, courtesy of Murphy's Metal, a bunch of amazing guys that can do magic, I have these huge metal screen covers that I cover my seed flats with every night. Mm-hmm. So all 38 seed flats are covered. How about in the house? Do we do that again in house? We we live in the middle of woods, you know. There's mm-hmm. well, and I don't want to set traps. That would be evil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <Okay. laughs> well, I my philosophy about uh, rodents in the house is that they have a home and I have a home, and never the two shall meet. So ah. I I am. Not very generous with letting them live in my house, and I've I've uh, I've tried that method, and and they actually have absolutely you know they have no manners whatsoever. They will they will take over the whole house if you if you don't. So you know I do use traps. Um, I find that traps are are probably simply the most effective. Um, I don't like using poison for them. Uh, you do no. use a little ant traps, but, uh, um, you know, for the, the mice, uh, which is probably the, the biggest problem, uh, uh, I'll do that. Uh, the other thing, of course, is you could just use the same method that you use for, uh, for your greenhouse is, is covering stuff. Smaller version. Yeah, smaller version. And now are you, you're talking about growing the greens inside? Is that what you're, is that what you're Well, kind it, of? it's just a nice thought to not have to call it the end of the season. It's a wonderful thought. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's intriguing. And, yeah. um, yeah. you know, we don't have a big house, but we could do it in our house. Of course. So yeah. we'll, we'll try. We'll try our best and, Try yeah. to be kind to the mice. Well, you probably have peas left over from your garden, maybe, seeds. Yep. That's yep. a very good place to start. Uh, a tray of peas will give you a good three ounces uh, over, you know, about seven days. You mm-hmm. can let them grow a little longer, ten days or so. And uh, the nice thing about peas that I like is that you can actually cook with them. You know, mm-hmm. you can use them just like you would a, a spinach or almost any other in a stir fry, and, and they they make a very nice green. Um, this, of course, the Chinese have known for a good, good, long, long, long time. So, um, I recommend them for uh, you know first first timers for sure is to try and any pea variety, whether it's a garden pea or a snow pea or you know any garden variety of of uh, peas will work just fine because you're only growing them seven days. And and they'll be up about oh six, eight, ten inches. You can let them go all the way up to fourteen inches. By that time, though, uh, the bottom of the stems gets a little bit tough, and so I always chop them into about quarter-inch pieces uh, to, on the stem end. And then, as where the leaves come out, you can chop them maybe one inch or so. They're they're a lot more. They stay tender and nice. So, uh, so start with the peas, um, and also, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I grow them on a shelf on the window, which is indeed harder for the mice to get at. But um, uh, well, given, 
Yeah. Given any chance, they will stay away. But yeah. Well, it, now it, this is incentive to grow some super hot peppers next summer. Yeah. To be deck our windowsills with. Okay. In fall. You know? <laughs> hey, hey, George, that doesn't smell so good. We better leave this place. <laughs> yeah. Those peas, those peppers, they don't smell good at all. Okay. We'll work on it. We'll okay. Work on it. Well, good luck. Let me know how it goes. We got two more shows, so I expect to hear from you next week. Oh, you know, I'm always bothering you. <laughs> Be well. And Bye. Have a good afternoon. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Great. Now, Bye-bye. we got another call, Greg. Okay. Hi. This is Peter. Who's this? Hi. This is Linda from Addison. And um, regarding mice, I learned something new this week. Yeah. Probably should have figured it out. But um, anyways, you've had this funny-looking fox in the neighborhood, and a neighbor uh, took some video of it and yeah. went over and spoke to wildlife people who said that the fox has mange, Ooh. which is the result of a parasite that can overwhelm the animal. I'm reading his email. Yeah. Overwhelm the animal if its immune system is impaired. Because hmm. the main food source for foxes is mice, yeah. The game warden felt very strongly about the use of poisons for mice, which targets the neuro, neuro and mm. immune system. Yeah, yeah, I so couldn't agree So mice more. eat the poison, and, the, yep. you know, it moves up foxes, owls, eagles, etc. cetera. Yep. Um, and so, and even raptors are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I there's agree a with product you. called, yep. yeah, there's Pro- a product called Contraceptol, which is basically birth control for mice. It doesn't kill them, but they can't reproduce, and it doesn't have a further effect up the food chain. So I should have figured something like that was true, but now I know for sure. Well, I and the, and that reinforces what I was saying about using traps. Is it's really if they're in your house, you know, they're they're fair game, so to speak. Uh, and uh, I just find that that's the simplest and the easiest way to deal with them. Um, you know, but this is an interesting tool. I'll have to look this up. I haven't heard about it. So, Linda, thanks so much for the call. I really appreciate that. I will. Uh, yeah, take- and one other tip. Yep. Yeah. For my um, for my summer camp, yeah. I take cotton balls and dip it in um, peppermint uh, extract. Okay. And they hate this smell, and I leave this in like all the window sills and et cetera, and that seems to really help. <laughs> it it's a it brings up a very interesting image of little white cotton balls all around the house, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. I think it's a great idea. Matter of fact, I have some of the uh, some of that peppermint, and they it, you can get it at uh, Agway or Blue Seal, and and they uh, they look like the um, like pellets, you know, like the wood pellets, and they they smell, of course, yeah. just, just like garlic, and and that's another way to deal with them. So, okay. well, well, thanks, thanks, Linda. Appreciate the call. Call again. Yep. Bye. Uh, Greg, we'll get somebody else on the line. Okay. How are you? Uh, good. Who's this? This Forbes. How are you? Hey, Forbes. How's it going, buddy? Good, good, good. <laughs> um, I'm not to digress here, but... Um, oh, why not? Can I expand on your um, your comments before on um, soil testing? Oh, yeah, sure. Done a lot of research on it. Yeah, yeah. With a, a big grower, a great grower out in Michigan. And uh, what he was saying that uh, fall yeah. is definitely the time yep. to do soil sampling. Yep, agree. Yep. Reason being that uh, any of your artificial uh, means that you've uh, tried to spike your plants with or get them going is pretty well played out, and you're going to get right. a true picture. A true picture of your of your soil, yep. Yep. And foil. Yep. Also, he said uh, nothing is down, and that's a good time to uh, actually purchase your fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Saves them a lot of money. They said uh, per yeah. year. Yeah. And, and, and of it's, course, lime it, uh, can go in any time, but anything else you can get, you can be ready come springtime 
Mm-hmm. There's always a big rush for fertilizers mm-hmm. and sometimes shortages. Yeah. Well, and particularly with the organic fertilizers, most of them are in a form that needs some time to break down, whereas do. your chemical fertilizers uh, um, are usually water-soluble and they break down very quickly. So right. um, since I'm an organic gardener and, and uh, for most of the organic farmers, they have to use something that – uh, they have a little more time for that that organic fertilizer to actually um, break down and, and become useful to your plants. Right, and that's why the, the uh, fall testing is the best because you're going to get the, the trueness of, of the soil, its efficiencies or deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yeah, fall's the time to test and apply. Yeah, even for right. lime, it's best to apply it in 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 the fall. Right. Because all these things have to break down right. into a form that the plants can use. And right. there's you know there's this whole thing about cations and all this other stuff that that kind of goes right over my head. But I understand the concept. You know, the concept is these things need to break down into you know a molecular level so that they're actually available. Yeah, and a lot of times <clears throat> you can have all the right nutrients in your ground, but um, they can be locked up yeah. because of pH. Yep, yep, there you and, go. And uh, the lime, what the lime does is kind of a, a reverse catalyst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it diffuses that action so that the plant then can, can, can get the fertilizer. Yep, it's really cool how it works. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, buddy, so I appreciate the tip. <laughs> Okay. Anything I, uh, else going on? The uh, rodent problem. Oh yeah. A long time ago, it's called uh, a tomcat. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> okay. All right. Have a good day. Oh, where did you get one of those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the call. <laughs> no. <laughs> All okay, right. well, have a good day. Yeah, you too, Forbes. And we have uh, and one more call? Yeah, we, we cannot, can't hear you out here uh, radio-wise. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, they've got some problems I hope they're working on. I hope so. I'll find okay. out. Okay, buddy. And we have one more call? Okay. Um, hi, uh, who's this? Hi, this is Cindy calling. Hey, Cindy. Um, that guy kind of stole my thunder because I was going to... Say about the rodent thing. Um, just get a cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's pretty easy. Like any, like any idea, you know, <laughs> uh, a, a little bit of support and emphasis is a good one. And I agree. Um, yeah. I, I will say, for the indoor gardening, sometimes a cat uh, uh, can be a, a problem too. So, um, I've had a number of people say, "What do I do about my cats? He wants oh. to get up there and play with the with the greens." Because, you know, uh, particularly sunflowers, as they grow up, you know, they have that big seed hull and they and they pop off at a certain point and they drop right off. But they all make a little sound like a tick sound and then the the stem will wiggle a little bit. And so this this (laughs) it just drives a little kitty cat nuts. So anyway, uh, I, I recommend putting them on a shelf where they can't reach anyway. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you. Yep, yep. I love the show. Oh, great. Thanks, Cindy. I appreciate it so much. (laughs) All righty. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, how are we doing, Greg? Uh, we're, we're, we're doing good. We're it's, doing uh, good. Okay. Yeah, it's five minutes after uh, yeah. one o'clock. Yeah, we've yeah. got all kinds of time. Okay, I, I want to tell you briefly that you yeah. we were talking about how the you reminded me of a classic old commercial that I heard for um, dealing with uh, roaches, actually, because yeah. you were talking about the mice. Yeah. If you let them do it, if you let them move in, they'll take over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, I don't know, if they, I, think it was, I think the advertiser was Orkin, and this is back in the 80s, but yeah. it was a, they did a great <laughs> campaign, and, and one of the ads went with the guy with the great radio voicing, and he, he says, roaches. You know, they're the scum of the earth, but they act like they own the joint. <laughs> That's what you reminded me of. <laughs> <laughs> well, they act like they own the joint. Yeah. Well, that, so. this is very true with mice yeah, too. Yeah. I can tell you from yeah. from uh, from hard one experience that uh, let one in and they bring the family. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> and right. Then they, they bring the, the extended family, the cousins and, <laughs> yeah. and nephews and all the rest. Yeah. So it's two four four. Just to let those who know who might not be familiar with the number. Yeah. If they want to call. Yep. It's uh, area code eight zero two. Of course, two four four. 
1777. That's when uh, Vermont was born. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is that why we got the number, I wonder? That's pretty I wonder. cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but it sure works. <laughs> All right. So um, in my, my monologue about uh, year-round indoor salad gardening, one of the things I, I neglected to say is that the book I'm talking about is called Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening. And if you look it up on Amazon or even um, Chelsea Green, right, uh, you can see a picture. You can actually look through the book and you can read reviews there. And, uh, I, I get a certain amount of special pleasure reading the reviews. Um, and fortunately most of them are pretty darn good. And I, it's fun to, fun to read. And, uh, I think, uh, one of them was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, you know, you just think, oh man, this is so great. I really love it. And it gets right down to the fact that I, I am so enthusiastic myself about all this, and it's a it's sort of a what do you call sort of a miracle in a way, just the way a seed is a miracle all in itself. You know, a little bit of water, a little bit of warmth, and it's you know, and it's growing. And uh, so there's uh, particularly in the beginning of the seasons mm-hmm. when I when I first start, uh, you know, I I soak the seeds and. Um, overnight uh, in a little bit of water and then I take those seeds and I put them on top of the soil okay and all this of course is in the book now the book was a lot of fun to do I really enjoyed doing it and matter of fact my my first edition was one that I did through uh, Amazon's uh, you know uh, publishing arm and then uh, Chelsea Green saw it and said, hey, we want to publish this book. And that worked out really nice. So when I did this book, the first thing was is I wanted it a book that I would like to read. And I'm one of those what I call a National Geographic reader. Do you know what I mean? Is like National Geographic, you go from picture to picture and you read the captions. And then there's all that other white pages of the long story, right? And I like to do that first, right? So I have pictures that basically if you follow through, you can get the gist of what I'm talking about. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. I have it here in the studio. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, thank you for thank you for leaving it with me. And yeah, yeah you're right. It is, and never heard that expression, but it's like a National Geographic read yeah. in a way. right. You look through. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, a lot of people, they want to know the story. So that's what I was telling you about the genesis. Uh, that was the – this is how it all started with me yeah. out in the yeah. garden planting and thinking, oh, man, I really miss the salad greens. It's an, uh, impress- it's an impressive book. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, can I just read? I'll read for the listeners a couple yeah, of things that yeah, I yep. you may have said, but it didn't strike me. The low-tech, no-grow lights approach to abundant harvest. That sounds very appealing to me. It's a Definitely. real grabber, as they yeah, say. Yeah. Year-round indoor salad gardening. That's the title. How to grow nutrient-dense soil-sprouted greens in less than 10 days. <laughs> you know? So anyway, we have a caller, by the way. Oh, okay. Let's, so, uh, let's go, let's go it, right forth. It's Rich from Starksboro, I believe. Hey, hey Rich. Rich. How you doing, buddy? Good, Peter. You? Oh, yeah, just fine. That's good. Um, I'm glad to... Get on there and finally chat with you this year. It's been a while. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I was going to say. I, uh, I wonder if we could get in a little bit of the nitty-gritty of the things you've talked about. Um, like, you talk about a bread loaf pan, so it's like half of the size of a loaf of bread. It's uh, three inches how, by six inches, yeah. And how deep is your soil? About, uh, well, I use a two-inch pan, and then I fill it up to within a quarter or half-inch, depending, you know, Okay. And so that there's a little, I like to leave a little bit above, you know, a little bit of space so that when I water, it doesn't go over the sides. So I don't fill it right to the very, very top. I fill it to Mm -hmm. about a quarter inch. And then, so when I water, I actually water with a, um, a spout, you know, so I'm actually putting water on the soil and not on the greens. I don't mist them mm-hmm. or anything, anything like that because um, the trays don't have any any holes in them. I like trays that you know that will hold the water. So I just put just enough for a day's time, and that's you know two to four tablespoons of water. So you just you know put a little bit on, and uh, you yeah, go ahead. You water daily. Yep, I do. And you water daily while it's in the cupboard. Uh, no, 
the first four days, there's enough moisture to get those, um, to force the seeds to grow. And what I do is when I put the seeds on the soil, I put them right on top of the soil and then I cover them with a, a soaking wet piece of newsprint or newspaper. So I, I fold up a, a couple of sheets of newsprint, you know, fold it until it fits right on, on the top. And then uh, I put them in a bowl of water, let them soak until they're really good and, you know, completely absorbed water. And then I'll put that right on top of the seeds and press around the whole outside so that there's no light and no air, you know. And the, and the, when I put them in the dark, that dark place is sort of like an incubation. They, they sprout up in, in literally four days, they'll be up an inch. It's just a miracle. It's really wonderful to watch. And if you have kids at all or grandkids, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of fun just having them watch the day by day progress of, of each of those, uh, of each of those trays spreading, you know, starting to grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. And the, and the, the newspaper goes on the soil or just in the bowl? It goes right on top of the soil, right on top of the leaves. I press it down so it's actually touching the seeds. Okay. And that so you soak them just water. In yep. A bowl just, first. That's all. Mm-hmm. I, I soak the seeds and then uh, after I plant them, which is just on the top, you know, mm-hmm. I just lay them out on the top, whatever it is, and um, um, that does the trick. You know, with the paper on top, how do they get to be an inch tall? They get to be like inch inch along the top of the soil, laying down, or the uh, the the little tiny seeds have absolutely no problem pushing that up, pushing that paper up. It okay. pushes it right up so that all the seeds underneath the paper are about a one inch tall. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, so it, it works. The tray is, the yep. tray is three inches by six inches and. Two inches deep. Yeah, and that's that's a half loaf. I mean, you can find uh, there's any number of places like a Christmas tree shop. You can get them in ceramic. I use uh, cereal bowls, or uh, I've used just about anything. I've made uh, some boxes out of you know thin cedar wood that uh, people use for uh, growing starts and sets. Um, yep. But um, I, those are I always use those for classes. Yep. What's okay. The, what's the minimum temperature that you can have oh, growing up by the window? You'd want about 60, 65, so it's just warm. Okay, okay so Rich, 65. thanks so much. Thank yeah. you. Good to hear from you, man. Okay, buddy. Okay, so we have a couple of other callers uh, getting in line here, and uh, we have a little bit of business to take care of, so we're going to do that, and then we're going to get to our next caller. Okay, on, hang uh, on, and we'll be right back. Okay, All right, you we, got yeah. uh, Diana on yeah. the line? Hey, Diana. Hi there. I have a question about an old meadow that I'm hoping you can help with. (laughs) So I moved to New Haven um, about four years ago from out of state, and I bought the old farmhouse on, you know, it was on 100 acres. I only have five of them. And so it's old, you know, hog pasture. It was hogs and cows. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, (laughs) classic stuff. Yep. And... Um, I've, I've put in some great vegetable gardens um, in raised beds and in ground. And then in about two acres of it, it is um, pretty much a field of poison parsnip, oh which boy. was a new thing for me. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I'm on the, on the bright side, goldenrod now, and, mm-hmm. and milkweed has been expanding. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have brush hogged it um, mostly in the fall. I know people do, sometimes do it twice. but. Yep. You know, there's a uh, a little debate going on in the house about <laughs> how often we should do it, and you know, we definitely don't want to, you know, get rid of the goldenrod and the milkweed and all the things that are bringing all these great pollinators in. So, mm-hmm. what can we do to help manage this awful poison parsnip? And when I say a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> oh, I know, uh, and and it's uh, it's really endemic. It's a huge problem. It's almost. It's almost worse than a sense the uh, the knotweed, the Japanese knotweed, the bamboo, because mm. it's so pernicious and and you know people can get really sick and you know. Uh, 
for one, um, I probably would would start my mowing in the spring. Uh, I know it it's kind of tough, but you kind of have to you have to get ahead of it, and hopefully things like the the other other plants will get ahead of it. And the other thing is they're working on some sprays that might work, and I don't know of any, but I will look them up to see okay. and talk to the um, uh, to to the uh, extension agency. I know of, uh, I met a fellow at one of the conventions we went to from Vermont who specifically, um, goes in, uh, you know, with the, with the, you know, the whole suit, the whole body suit and he goes and pulls every single one out and it's, it's very laborious. <laughs> It seems impossible. <laughs> he's done it. He's done it for the state of Vermont and for a number of other uh, spots. You know where where the public is. You know if you have the public walking around your land, you know that that can be really bad. Um, right. But I wouldn't try to do that myself, and I'm sure you know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did uh, learn that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, uh, as much as the, it's nice to have uh, things like the milkweed that you really want. Uh, the ragweed is for a lot of people a, a, a huge problem for allergies. Mm-hmm. So I would, I'd mow it probably three times a year. I would start out with that and really keep them down, and then maybe after, you know. Next year, if you do it three times again, you know, you may be able to to really put a damper on them. So they're just a, an occasional rather than a, a field of, of poisonous plants. That's somewhat helpful. Thank you. I'm sure that's I, not exactly what you wanted to hear. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> but it's I will check. Hope. <laughs> I will have I'll have an answer to see if uh, they've actually come up with anything that you can spray. But pretty much anything you spray for them is going to affect everything. So the right, mowing that's is my concern. The yeah. mowing is is the most effective, at least for right now. And I, I have the same problem with comfrey. It it you know once you unleash comfrey, you have it everywhere. <laughs> And the only I planted thing... that this year intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe that was a mistake too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> my father, God bless him, sent me my first piece of comfrey root. And he said, oh, this is a really good herb. <laughs> All the way from Pennsylvania <laughs> sent it and I planted it. And it's still there. And it, in, in, the, in the lawn, it looks like little green rabbit ears, you know, coming up all over the place. <laughs> I would much rather have that than, uh, yes. than parsnip, I can yeah. tell you. <laughs> yep. I'm sure. So um, I do have yeah, one go ahead. other part of uh, a meta question. So there's actually another part of our property that that was lawn, um, and we don't have um, children here or anything, just, just pets, and so it was a lot of lawn, and I thought, you know, we really don't need to have this much grass, so yep. we just let some of it go, because yep. all that rain helped, we mm-hmm. mow anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, we stopped, you know, we mowed it once, maybe in May, and, um, you know, it's maybe a third of an acre yep. Um, yep. section, and it had some, it was wonderful, you know, the grasses grew up beautifully, there were daisies that showed up in there, mm-hmm. and, yep, you know, yep. and the, the, the wildflowers that I want. In that section, um, I was wondering what a what a flail mower is. I heard someone mention that once, and it's just a know, big I, string I, string trimmer. That's all. A oh, flail. okay. Yeah, okay. It, it uses a, a, a I think a metal string actually, but it it um, it's the same thing as a brush hog. In, in okay. The end result. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that section I was hoping would you know look a little better than the the rest of the mm-hmm. meadows that get brush hogged. That mm-hmm. those are full of rocks, so that's yeah. part of the problem too. Yep, but it is. Um, but this is close to our our house, so <laughs> um, okay. Well, hopefully, I can keep the parsnip out of that area anyway. Good luck, Dan, and I will have more information next week. Great. Okay. Really appreciate it. All right. Good. Thanks for the show. Um, more than you're we'll very welcome. Okay. okay. Take care. Bye. So we Bye. have another caller, Greg. All right. Who can I ask your name and where are you from? Hello. Greg. Yeah, bear with me. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know why that's not to. Let's try this. Now, try it now. Okay. You All there, right. Brian? Brian? Yeah, Brian. From e- yep. hey, Brian. I'll try to be brief here. Um, I had a quick question. I called bragging about my garden the other day, by the way. It was great. Um, but uh, cardboard, some people swear by it. Some people swear at it. I'm just curious what your attitude is. We we pulled up the weeds by hand, but to kill the roots and whatnot. Yeah. What do you think of cardboard? Well, cardboard's great. I mean, it's a mulch like anything okay. else. Uh, it has some drawbacks is that the water is really slow to seep through it. Um, but you can take care of that by just, you know, taking a fork and puncturing a whole bunch of holes. Um, I have no problem with, with cardboard at all. I, I, my own style is I use a landscape cloth and, uh, uh, and, uh, bark on top of that, but, uh, I actually have a pile of cardboard to use in one particular spot of my garden that's got really narrow, narrow, uh, uh, pathways. So I'm, yep. you know, I have no problem. Go for it. If you have cool. it, we just, uh, had to redo our kitchen and, uh, and so we <laughs> we have tons of cardboard from all the boxes. Right, those big, those yep. big refrigerator boxes. You got it. Yes, great. we had one of those too. <laughs> yep, excellent. Well, take care. Great okay, show. Brian. Yep. Yep. Thanks Bye. for the, yeah. Thanks for the call, Brian. That was uh, Brian, somebody I know from. He calls in on the the getaway from time to time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he has a good uh, good taste in music and yep. uh, has requests for us once in a while. And he actually inspired me of all people to ask a question of you. I'm going to follow up. All right. And, yeah. and again, you know, I, I'm not much of a gardener. Sarah is in our household anyway. Sure. All right. So we heard what you said about cardboard. Um, what do you? Th- what about newspapers? Yeah, fine. I've seen them put in the put yeah. in the ground. Okay. Well, uh, newspapers. Uh, for a very long time, all the newspaper ink is made with soy oil and not from petroleum. And that was the big problem with ink before is it actually had lead. They used lead to make yeah. the black. Right. And so uh, now there's no lead in the newspaper. So that's, it's perfectly fine. And I, I, of course, I use newspapers on my, my uh, indoor garden greens, okay. you know, all the time. All right. And what about uh, for killing something? How do you feel about black plastic? Gotta ask oh, that one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if, if you, um, when I do my square foot gardening classes, I always say, you know, don't use a rotor tiller. Take a sheet of, of black plastic, put it on top of your lawn and, and leave it there for three or four weeks. And, uh, if you do it right after the snow leaves, you'll, you'll be able to put your beds right on down on top of that and fill them up, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I I don't leave the plastic underneath the beds, mm-hmm. but uh, and I don't use it for my pathways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no reason you couldn't. Yeah, see, yeah, a, it seemed to me that it was kind of. I think of that stuff as being very polluting. It just seemed to me it's kind of. Yeah, well, when it, when it comes to, to throwing it away, yeah. <laughs> and also manufacturing it, yeah, yeah, yeah uh-huh. all those things are. And I know uh, actually Eli Coleman, who who uses plastic quite a lot for his his greenhouses, you know, mm-hmm. uh, has a whole debate about whether it's good or not good, or okay. you know, is it so? I'd say if you if you if it fits the purpose. That's good. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Peter. Well, you're very welcome. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's been fun to <laughs> fun to host you here. Um, oh, don't tell me. It's know. already it's We're about out of what do you what do you got to close it up for oh, us? Oh my goodness. Well, um, let's see. Just to sort of go back to my monologue is if you have questions about year-round indoor gardening, you have me for the next two weeks. Uh, call in, ask questions. Um, or just go to the uh, Chelsea Green website, or Amazon has a lot of information. If you look up the book, You Run Indoor Salad Gardening by Peter Burke, um, there's a lot of information and great feedback from people. And uh, actually, I, uh, they've had some good tips that, that uh, I've put into practice, so it's, it's fun to read uh, what people say. And so if you have questions after looking at that, it's a great way to have fresh greens. And... You can do it for about $2 a pound, and if you go to the co-op or anywhere and buy them, they're about $25 a pound. So you can save a, a, a ton of money, $2 a day versus so. 
All right, buddy. I guess uh, that's all we have for In the Garden today, right? All right. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. So we'll read the all sponsors right. again. I think we'll hear John Denver again doing uh, – <laughs> I don't know why we don't play the David Mallet, to, uh, you know, the well, original. Well, you but, are uh, welcome to play but, David Mallet. That's fine. Well, maybe next time I will. I don't have it queued up right now. I, I oh, do have John oh, Denver. Yeah. Well, and, and nothing last, against John Denver. Don't uh, wrong, last week know. somebody said, can't you get some other music? I mean, God, I hear that same <laughs> song. You know, I said, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason for that, right? It's only yeah. very short. It's kind I of mean, it's kind of branding, right? Oh, really? and it's exactly. like this is the garden in the garden's brand. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to dig up my grandson singing this song. Okay, so we can use that. That sounds good. Yeah, all right. Well, it's been a lot all of right, fun, Peter. Great. Thank it's, you so much. It's been a pleasure working with you. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Burke. He'll be back again uh, next week and the following week. Two more editions yep. of In the Garden in this uh, summer of 2023. In the Garden today, brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since. 1900 in Greensboro. Poly Construction, they're on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. One call does it all. In the Garden, also made possible by Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway. East Montpelier Road. V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. Menards, family owned True Value Stores, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Featuring top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. The program also made possible by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations at ours. P&R Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott. Family milled lumber for all projects. See them on Facebook. In the Garden also brought to you by Guy's Farm and Yard. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. GuysFarmandYard.com. And finally, the program made possible and the podcast made possible, I might add, by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. DandelionAcres.com. Well, we got uh, 90 minutes of tunes coming up on a, a uh, Saturday afternoon edition of the Great American Music Hall. I'll try to fill those. Uh, Big shoes of uh, Joel Nashman's. Joel is uh, out this weekend. So I'll play you some tunes for about 90 minutes, and then we have Red Sox baseball coming your way at about 310 this afternoon here on your Red Sox station, WDEV. And it's by